Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhart. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Photography, online masterclasses with the greatest photographers in the world. We'll have a special offer for you on Masters of Photography courses later in the show. This week, we're very happy to welcome our special guest, Mason Marsh. Mason is a photographer, journalist, teacher, and other things. Mason, hi. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Jeff recommended that we get Mason on the show because apparently you are an expert in tripods. And tripods are one of those things that every photographer owns six of. And actually, I'm going to add to that. He's not just an expert in tripods. He's slightly obsessed. So Mason and I have known each other for years, and I figured... Okay, a tripod is a tripod. It's got three legs. It holds a camera. Ah. Big whoop. And then, you know, I I think I said that at one point to Mason, and he rolled his eyes and was just like, oh, you have no idea, young neophyte. Uh, Because, you know, if you have looked into buying a tripod, suddenly there are so many options, and there are different materials, and there are heads and plates and maintenance, and, like, it becomes really overwhelming Unless you're just going to get like a, you know, $12 uh, drugstore special kind of a thing. So they sell tripods in drugstores where you live. They probably do. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so when the topic came up, I was like, okay, we need somebody who like really knows his stuff and is willing to geek out on it because it's just one of those essential things that can be a mystery. Yeah, and and I think many photographers have more than one tripod because they bought one and it didn't do what they wanted, and then they bought another and they didn't get around to selling the first one on eBay. Um, I picked a tripod as my snapshot pick a few episodes ago, and it's actually from the same brand as a previous one I had that I'd bought like a year before, but I realized that it had a feature that I didn't have in the other. And this is the ability to bring the central thing up all the way and then lean it over. Uh, I like to do macro photography, and it's a lot more comfortable to do it like that than to try and get it down on the ground or to lean over. But after I got this, I realized there's probably lots of other features, not not even discussing the weight of the tripod. I don't go hiking, so I don't need carbon fiber. But where do we start with tripods? I mean, at, at the simplest level, I guess you can start with a monopod, can't you? That's probably the first place to consider. No, no. <laughs> the entire purpose of a tripod is to be rock solid. If if it's not rock solid, you might as well just hold your camera um, and save yourself the money and the and the carrying around a big bulky tripod. Um, monopods are great if you're if you're using the only time I advocate using a monopod is one if you're shooting video and you need to stabilize your shot a little bit, but you still want to keep somewhat mobile. So in that case, you wouldn't extend the monopod. You'd keep it as short as possible and just hold it with two hands, right? Or or extend it to the ground and use it. I've used them to just keep the shot less bouncy, you know, just, okay. just touch that foot to the ground and give it that stability. But with video, you're not trying to be rock solid. You're just trying not to be shaky um, right. most of the time. And then if you're using a long lens, you're shooting uh, sports or wildlife or something like that, and you don't want to hold that lens in your hand all day because you're going yeah. to break your arm. Uh, then you can throw a monopod on it. Otherwise, um, <clears throat> I have a monopod. I don't really know where it is. Uh, it, I just use it so infrequently. Um, it, it Tripods need to be rock solid. And so going back to what Jeff said earlier, 
when I meet a photographer, uh, especially landscape photographers, and um, I, I do two things. I look at their shoes and I look at their tripod because I judge people by their shoes and their tripods because that's how we interact with the earth. And it sounds sort of hippy-dippy, but the truth is if you're not wearing good shoes, you're not walking far. And if you're not using a solid tripod, you're not taking sharp photos and you're not really in it for the quality or maybe in it for another reason. Okay, I'm just going to push back a little bit on the monopod. Um, I have a bit of a tremor. So using a monopod for me, if I'm down at a low shutter speed, say 160th or something like that, it makes a big difference. And if I really need more stability, I can lean against a tree or a wall or something. Um, I use a monopod because uh, I don't want to carry a tripod. I don't do the kind of landscape photography where I'm hiking into the mountains and settling down for hours. Um, so it's good to have a monopod just to provide some additional stability. I use Fujifilm cameras that don't have image stabilizations. I do have one uh, Fujifilm um, zoom lens that has image stabilization. Um, but for me, that additional stabilization is worth being a tripod heretic or, or blasphemer. <laughs> well, I will say, too, that, that monopods are... Um, are incredibly easy to use. I mean, you don't. Ha there isn't much to them. Um, they're easy to carry. You can usually uh, use it as a walking stick if you're not going to be using it as a monopod. Um, and so, fight for off, the reason uh, you're saber talking about tigers, mm -hmm. you can fight off saber-toothed tigers as well. Well, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't want to be swinging around a thousand-dollar tripod. Um, exactly. Fight off saber-toothed tiger. You use your fifty-dollar monopod for that. Oh, I think I paid 16 pounds. It's an Amazon Basics model. Oh, that's good. Even better. Actually, if you want to go really basic, I saw something interesting. Um, what's the thing where you take a piece of string and you tie it to a piece of wood and you step on it and you hold it up? And that kind of, it, the tension of you pulling against the string stabilizes the camera a bit. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's lots of techniques that I've used to stabilize in, in, you know, saying, uh, you know, talking about image stabilization now with in-body stabilization and in-lens stabilization, um, you know, we really can, can hold handhold down to very low shutter speeds, um, successfully. Uh, and so I think tricks like the string thing, I've seen people carrying those around, um, I haven't seen people pulling off anything longer than what they probably could have pulled off using just their hands um, as far as the shutter speed. So, you know, when I break out the tripod, I'm, I'm doing it for two reasons. One is to get a longer exposure than I can handhold, or um, I'm doing some sort of panorama, and I want to have yeah. a consistent uh, ability to pan across. I think this brings up an important point, which is, a lot of this is very situational because you both just described maybe four or five different shooting situations where, you know, having that stability is helpful, definitely, but maybe you are more on the move. Maybe you're hiking, maybe you're wandering through like, uh, you know, an arboretum or a flower show or something like that, where you may not even be able to uh, bring in a, a, a full tripod. Um, yes, you know, like some you know museums and stuff will let you bring in a monopod, sure, um, and so that might be your only your only option. So my question here is, I mean, a lot of people will just say, okay, I I went and I bought a tripod, I have a tripod, and I can use it everywhere, but that's really not the case. 
I learned this with my first tripod, which is a big hulking Manfrotto that is, it's great. It's super stable. It's super heavy. And so I would never carry it around any long distance. I mean, it's, you know, it's great for throwing in the back of a car or a van and pulling it out when you get to your destination and there you go. And using to shoot a feature film, for example. Yes, I do that so often. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you begin with a tripod? Let's start with the simplest tripod that's worth getting. That's that's a great question because that's, that's the one I get the most. Um, <clears throat> it's it's one of those buy once, cry once situations. And, and you said earlier, Kirk, that everybody has – most photographers have five or six tripods, and I'm definitely guilty of that. I've bought a lot of tripods until I found the right one. Um and so I always recommend that people find the, 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 the best tripod that they can afford and then get the next higher one up. <laughs> and it's, it's tough advice to give because a lot of people go, oh, well, I'm just not going to do it then. But I've had so many friends and workshop clients come great distances to a once-in-a-lifetime location and they come away with uh, images that aren't as good as they should be because their tripod wasn't stable. Uh, or their tripod malfunctioned or fell, just straight up fell apart. Um, I don't know how many hours I've spent on the side of a road somewhere with a Leatherman trying to fix somebody's tripod. Um, and so I really think that quality comes down to the number one thing. It's got to be really well made. And luckily for us, things are getting better in photography. There isn't – you have to really work hard to find – stuff that's super duper crappy and cheap. <laughs> but you said tripods that aren't stable. Are there really tripods that aren't stable? Oh yeah. I'm not talking about $10 tripods, but if, if you're buying something, I don't know, let's, let's say a hundred dollars, hundred pounds, I would expect it to be stable. You, yeah, I would too. Um, when you get up into that range, but unfortunately, um, people want things that are lightweight and they want things that fold up really small. And so the more leg sections you have, the more articulation a tripod has. The, um, the lighter the material, so carbon fiber is real popular for tripods. If it's a lightweight tubing, um, it'll have a lot of flex to it. Carbon fiber is incredibly flexible. And I've had really good, very expensive tripods that if you grab the top of the tripod where the legs come together, I call it the pelvis of the tripod, right? If you grab the pelvis of the tripod and you twist it when the tripod's fully set up, if you can twist that, um, you know, any wind hitting your lens, um, any kind of movement is going to cause that to move. So my test for a tripod, if I'm going to be doing, you know, long exposure, critical sharpness kind of stuff like astrophotography, things like that, is you need to be able to set that tripod up at the height that's comfortable for you to stand behind it or sit behind it if you want to do that. And then you need to be able to grab that with all your strength and twist it. And if it moves, it's not solid. Um, so for me, that gets you way up there in price <laughs> to get to those those tripods that are really solid. Or you can find more uh, affordable tripods that meet those requirements, but they're super heavy and they're harder to carry around. Okay, so I'm looking, I have a Vanguard Alta Pro something something, and I'm looking at the Vanguard website, the price is in pounds. The most expensive tripod they have is 400 pounds. I think the one I got was about 130, but it was like 20 pounds off on sale. So you were saying earlier about a thousand pound tripod, a thousand dollar tripod. What would be the, because if, if you think about it, 400 pounds is the cost of four different tripods that you bought trying to get the right tripod. 
at 100 or 150 or 200 and it'll save a couple of steps. It's the cost of a lens. It's not that expensive. So is the best thing to just go at that price range? And then you'll explain later why, you know, some of them are even more expensive than that. Right. Um, well, Jeff was in the situation this year where he wanted to go on a trip and have a better tripod to travel with and to, to carry around. And so he had a very specific set of requirements. He wanted something that he could hike with uh, that would be stable. And so I pointed him towards Three-Legged Thing, which is a wonderful British company. That's the little portable, really small pocket-sized tripod, right? No, they actually make a, a really wild range of tripods, and now they make L-brackets and really nice tripod heads. Um, right. They're really yeah. an innovative company. Um, but their tripods, some of them are very uh, compact. They, they fold up to 12 inches long, and you can put them in your uh, side pocket of your pack. Um, unfortunately, those tripods, to get to a standing height where you can stand comfortably behind it uh, for any length of time, they do get a little wobbly. Um, but if you can keep them down a little bit, and thanks to articulating screens, that's really changed how I use tripods. I don't have to have my tripod at my eye height anymore. I can have it down at belly height and look at yeah. my screen. Um, and that makes it a lot more stable, and it can make a lot smaller tripod, which is obviously easier and cheaper. So um, so Jeff had this specific set of circumstances, and I said, well, you know, it's, it's a series of compromises, um, but I would go look at this tripod. And I point him to one of their larger tripods. Um, and I think that's the one you ended up getting, Jeff. And it, it really is a, a, a good compromise between compact, easy to carry, and stable. Yeah. So I ended up getting the three-legged thing Punks Corey Mag Alloy Tripod Kit. And it also had a, had a head on it. So it's not carbon fiber, so it wasn't super expensive. It cost me about $200. Uh, but it was compact enough that I could put it on the side of my Peak Design backpack. And I you know, I went hiking with it. I carried it with me almost everywhere uh, when I was in Hawaii. That, that was for this trip. Um, and it is not as stable as my other big massive one. But it was absolutely fine and stable enough for what I paid for it and what I needed it for. It looks like, I'm looking on their website, we'll link to this in the show notes, it looks like their most expensive tripod is 400 pounds as well. And this is the Albert Carbon Fiber Tripod System and Airhead 360. Yeah, and what I would recommend people do, Kirk, when you get to a site like Three-Legged Thing or Vanguard or any of these companies that we're talking about, look at, if they do make uh, carbon fiber and uh, some sort of alloy uh, tripod. Look at the specs of those tripods side by side. Most of a tripod is not the leg. Um, the weight yeah. of the tripod uh, fittings, the the, and we can get to that. What kind of fittings you want on the legs? The uh, the pelvis or the spider, that top part where everything hooks together, and the head. Um, if you look at the specs together, you'll see that a lot of times the alloy ones aren't that much heavier, and they're much more stable, and they're a lot cheaper. Yeah, more stable. And that's interesting because carbon fiber uh, is basically for the weight, but it's a lot more flexible as, because if you extend the legs all the way, there's a lot of pressure going on the legs to make them sort of bend inwards. And the carbon fiber is also more fragile. Um, I don't know if it would break if you dropped it on a rock or something. Um, but I know that carbon fiber is not as sturdy as aluminum, for example. Yeah, both have their weaknesses. If you drop them on rocks, um, you could kink a metal tubing as just as easily as crack a carbon fiber leg. But um, most people don't break their tripods 
dropping them, most people break them when the legs are fully extended and they fall on them. <laughs> you know, they stumble yeah. and trip. And, it's because they have the wrong leg, shoes. And the carbon fiber leg is just going to fold up. Okay, let's take a break and come back. Masters and and I want to talk more about the different parts of the online learning platform that brings together some of the world's most acclaimed photographers, the Masters. You can enjoy an unprecedented insight into the way these photographers work during intimate lessons that capture their knowledge, ethos, and philosophy. I've taken the Masters of Photography course with Joel Myrowitz, one of my favorite photographers, and I was impressed by his passion for photography and his desire to transmit his knowledge to others. With more than five hours of video and 34 lessons, Joel Myrowitz discusses technique, inspiration, and his career, and gives some practical tips about shooting in the street, taking portraits, and even still life photography. I strongly recommend this course with Joel Myrowitz, and Masters of Photography has a special offer for photoactive listeners. Get 5% off any course with the code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to mastersof.photography and enter the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE or use the link in our show notes. That's mastersof.photography. I really enjoyed this course, and I think you will too. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the different elements that make up the tripod. The legs, they extend usually in three parts, sometimes more. Um, there's the ball head or whatever the head is. There's a swiveling bit that goes on the pelvis. But I'm looking at a Vanguard um, tripod that has a pistol grip ball head. What is that about? Yeah, Manfrotto used to make a pistol grip. Uh, I don't know if they still do make a pistol grip head. Um, that's really back in the day when everyone had a, what was called a pan tilt head, which had a different knob for every axis that you wanted to adjust. Um, and the idea of having a ball uh, that you could just grab and, and reposition and then release the handle and it would lock was pretty revolutionary. But unfortunately, um, pistol grips add a lot of, of, of height and a lot of length to the tripod. You have to do you do have to consider how much weight and and dimension the head adds to the tripod package. Um, and so I would certainly recommend people walk away from those pistol grip uh, heads. I think a simple ball head with a tensioning knob that, that locks it down and then there's usually another knob that controls the panning ability of the head and then another knob that controls the tension of the spring that pushes on the ball. So what you want to be able to do is release the tension without flopping over um, and letting your camera crash over. And this is particularly important if you have a very long lens on it, like you're out shooting pictures of birds or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, I, I think ball heads are the way to go. Um, they're, they're incredibly strong, uh, incredibly stable and the, they're simple. Um, anything tripod wise, uh, any machine really, the more simple and elegant it is, the longer it's going to last, the easier it's going to be to maintain. And, uh, the, the easier it's going to be when you're tired out early in the morning or late at night trying to make photographs. I mean, we want our tripods not to fight with us. And so, um, when I look at a tripod, I put my hands on a tripod. I want it to feel intuitive and not have me scratching my head going, you know, what is this for? That's what the Sony menu system's for, right? To keep us puzzled. Um, the tripod should be simple. So, um, I'm a big fan of twist locks on the legs and uh, simple three-knob ball heads, and you just keep it simple, strong, and elegant. That's, that's, my, that's, that's perfect in my world. So this pistol grip, 
has it, it the picture is showing a wire connecting from the bottom of the pistol where the magazine would be to the side of the camera um essentially it's got a little trigger so you can take pictures the only reason i could see that this would be interesting is if it gives you a way to pan i'm thinking you have a long lens and you're holding the lens in your hand while you're panning and you're holding the pistol and it might make it easier to pan but i can't see this working well if you're shooting with a 50 millimeter lens well and if you're shooting with a long lens and you're panning um you would just loosen the pan knob on your on your ball head and ha- have your hands on your camera and just pan using the tripod as a vertical stabilization not a horizontal stabilization and so so this, so this is basically a toy yeah I've seen people shooting video make better use of like like the extended arm that you know for for, for panning and stuff like that seems to make more sense. Yeah, for a video head, you want a fluid head, and so what that that arm that you're talking about, Jeff, what that does is it gives you purchase and allows you to uh, do a smooth pan without it jerking. So if you take a normal tripod head and you try to pan while you're shooting video, especially if you if you're zoomed in at all. Uh, you're going to notice that it sort of has fits and starts as it as it pans. Um, with a video specific fluid head, it's dampened, and so as you pan, um, it's it's really smooth, and the handle makes that process really easy. Uh, I was actually taught many many decades ago when I worked in video that the best way to pan a fluid head is to actually grab it around the head with both hands and just slowly move your body. Um, to the side, just twist so keep it. Keep your arm straight and mm-hmm. let let your body do the the leverage. Yeah, yeah. That way, you're not introducing any kind of quick movements. Well, again, uh, and I'm not picking on Vanguard here because I think they're necessarily better. It's just that I happen to have one of theirs. Um, I have selected their Alta Pro Two Plus line, of which there are ten models, and they have four head types. Well, they have under the head type it says ball head, grip head, pan head. And without heads. So they sell some without heads. Um, so we saw the grip head. You talked about the ball head. And you just mentioned the pan head. Why would you buy one without a head? Because would you buy a separate head to put on a tripod? Because it has some special features that you don't get in a head with a tripod. Yeah. Um, the tripod and the head are two separate purchases, I think. Um I'm always leery of tripods, you know, and three-legged thing actually does a pretty good job of, of matching tripods to heads. But um, a lot of times people will spend a lot of money on the legs because they want carbon fiber. They want something that's sexy, right? And so they buy, spend a lot of money on the heads and then they skimp on the, the head because they figure, oh, it's just something I attach my camera to. The truth is the head does the work. And um, I, I think that's where you should invest more of your money is in the ball head. You really want... Um, a very solidly built stable head. Everybody that I've had actually have tripod failure where they actually had to throw the tripod away has always been in the head. Um, usually you can fix a leg, but when a when a tripod head goes south, it just it's hard to get it to work again. Um, and so getting a good solid ball head is is critical and that's usually a separate purchase. So this sounds a lot like buying an espresso machine because <laughs> <laughs> People get really focused on on spending a lot of money on an espresso machine, but the better way to do it, if you want good espresso, is you spend more money on the grinder than the espresso machine. You can have a half-decent espresso machine, but if you have a, a really good grinder, you'll get better coffee. And I think this is also one of the things that people don't realize when they start looking for a tripod because they're thinking legs. They're thinking uh, materials. And you know, when I first 
went looking for a tripod ages ago, uh, you know, it was a shock to me that I was like, wait, 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 I need to pick out a head and a tripod leg. And so I think that confuses people. And so they will go with something where it's a bundled deal and they may not know if the head is any good. Well, and, and nowadays we have a lot of other options where we can use our tripod heads aside from the legs. Uh, Platypod or Platypod, if you want to say that, is a wonderful product. It's basically a metal plate with a uh, with a stud on it, and you can screw your tripod head onto it and take it into places where they won't allow tripods. And you essentially get the benefits of a tripod, but you set it on a table or a railing or something like that. Um, there are clamps. Uh, really Right Stuff makes a wonderful clamp that has a stud on it that you could screw a tripod head onto. Um, and that opens up a lot of areas. So, Kirk, you said you were a macro photographer. Um, there are a lot of ground-level tripods that are just short, little stubby legs, um, incredibly stable. Uh, and you put your normal ball head on there, and you're down at, at flower level. You're down at plant level. And it makes uh, macro photography much, much easier. So, yeah, I really encourage people to think of the head as a separate purchase because you are going to use it in other places. And there are good chances that at some point you're not going to like your legs anymore. You're either going to damage them or you're going to decide that you, you didn't buy the right set of legs. But if you got the right head, you unscrew it, <laughs> sell the legs on eBay, grab a new set of legs and screw that head on there. And that head will last you a long time. Or like in my situation where I could use the same head if I'm going to be hiking, traveling and need something compact and light, or if I'm just going to be out on a driving workshop somewhere where I park and go to some great vista that's not that far away. Yeah, I have um, <clears throat> three different tripods I use uh, given the situation. So if I'm going to be car or van based, I'll carry my big monster Gitzo tripod, which I adore. It's It stretches out to seven feet tall and I can set it up on any kind of terrain and have a rock solid stable surface, but I don't want to carry that thing around. So I'll put my ball head on that that set of legs if I'm car based. If I'm going to be walking, um, I will use a uh, really right stuff, small uh, travel tripod, which is sort of a mid-sized tripod, but also incredibly stable. Uh, but it only goes to about mid mid torso height. It doesn't get very tall. Um, and then if I'm going somewhere where I can't or I don't want to carry a tripod, I'll either carry a tabletop tripod or a clamp and a small ball head or even my full-size ball head on a platypod, um, and, I'll, and I'll just put that in my bag and, and go walking around. And for city uh, stuff, street photography, a lot of people, when they go out and do street photography, they forget or they don't want to carry a tripod or they don't want to look like a photographer, so they don't want to have that big tripod set up. But there are situations in cities where a long exposure would be really uh, amazing. Uh, and you're not going to be able to pull that off hand-holding or setting it on a table necessarily. But if you can set it on a, a ball head and set that on something that would give you that stability, um, you can get some amazing shots without carrying a tripod at all. Now, does this also include like gorilla pods or is that something that that is in the same class or they happen to have three legs? Um, gorilla pods are really cool if you're riding around on a motorized skateboard. And even then, if anybody that's ever owned a Gorilla Pod, I would say that uh, Gorilla Pods are sort of like drones. 
and that 90% of the Gorillapods purchased, 90% of the drones that are purchased are not used anymore um, because they didn't turn out the way that people thought they would. I have a Gorillapod. It's downstairs in my basement um, in a box. It's there. They tend to, you set them up and you put your camera on them and then you can sit there and watch the whole thing slowly lean. If you're shooting with a big lens, obviously that's going to happen. I've done that with my Fuji X-Pro2 and a, a normal lens, and I don't have a problem. I think one good thing about a Gorillapod is if you're not planning to go out and take fancy photographs, but you're in your car and you stop someplace and you want to take a picture, you can put it on the roof of the car and you can get a nice, stable picture. I know there are other solutions for cars. There are grips that you can put on a window and things like that. Um, but the Gorillapod is the kind of thing you can carry when you don't think you're going to need a tripod. That's true. Um you know, I, I always have in my camera bag, I'm going to hold it up. I know this is not a video podcast, but I always carry in my camera bag this little tabletop uh, really right stuff tripod. And it's got a simple quarter thread on the top, and I can put a little ball head on there. Um, but I can also just screw this right into the bottom of my camera or into a loom cube or some sort of light source. Um, this is always in my bag. It doesn't weigh much. And I actually use it as a handle if I want to do video. I can put my camera on here yeah. and hold it like people do with the gorilla pods i can set on top of a car it's got little rubber feet um i can um set it over things like a bean bag or something to sort of you know balance it on some uneven surface um and it's not going to fall over it's not going to creep the the gorilla pods i my experience with them if you have any camera of any size uh, it's gonna, it's gonna crawl, it's gonna creep on you over time, and that always makes me nervous. I'm, I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to my camera moving. I want to go back to the heads because um, I'm on the Vanguard website and I'm looking at things, and the heads range from 150 pounds down to 70 pounds. Why? It, so you're saying the head is more important than the tripod? Um, should one buy a tripod and then get a better head if one has already bought a tripod with a head? And what what do I look for if I want to get a better head? What is going to be the difference? I mean, the most expensive one here, it says, ooh, durable magnesium construction with open body design. Well, I don't know what that means. I mean, magnesium, that's okay. 360-degree um, panning, will they generally all do that? 90-degree uh, portrait angle option, that's nothing special. Scratch-free oxidized surface, okay. What's special about something like this? Um, somewhere in that description is going to be a weight capacity, um, hopefully. 18.7 ounce. Oh. No, sorry. Load capacity up to 44 pounds. Okay, 44 pounds. That sounds like a lot, right? Um, you know, you put a huge camera and lens on that. It's not going to uh, move. You would be surprised at how it's sort of, I don't know if you camp at all, but like sleeping bag uh, temperature ratings, right? This bag's good down to 30 degrees below zero, and you get in it on a 30-degree night, and you're freezing. Um, it, it, the weight capacity of a tripod head um, is usually incredibly overstated. Um, and so I always get one that says like, like that 45 pounds, 50 pounds. I'm like, man, there's no way I'm putting a 50 pound camera on that. But, uh, if you put an SLR or even a, a mirrorless camera with a 70 to 200 or 100 to 400 on there, um, that's, you know, it's not nothing and you do want them to be stable. And what you want is that stability not to creep. And so if you have a, a ball head, that's too small, um, the ball is really small, and whatever mm. is pushing on that ball inside that head to create the lock 
it's going to slide if it's got tension on it and you don't want that to happen. And so um, I tend to way over buy on the, on the ball head. That's something I always try to keep in mind. If I do rent a big lens, I don't have to then rent another tripod or another head. I've got so what for, I need. So for someone head. like me who never shoots with big lenses, that would be enough. But if you're potentially going to get a big lens, then that's something to take into account. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I see that's really interesting is they have something they call a multi-mount, which is a kind of a bar where you put the camera on one side and the flash on the other side. Obviously, that's a very specific usage. Um, but I would guess if you're shooting portraits outdoors, maybe that would be a way to not have a separate stand for a flash or hold it yourself because it allows you to separate the two of them. Yeah, I, I always get a little nervous when I see um, things that are moving the camera off the center of the tripod. Um, you know, the, the Manfrotto and the Vanguard tripods that tilt, um, where you pull the center column up and you lean it over like you were mentioning, Kirk. Um, when you take that camera off center, you have to really be careful. And I will say this, this is a super important tip for anybody that's shooting off of a tripod. When your hands aren't on your camera, um, you should be a little nervous. Um, even if you're on a really solid, stable tripod, I always have my camera tethered to my tripod because I have un unfastened clamps, uh, you know, that little part of the ball head that connects your camera to your, <laughs> to the ball head. Yeah. I've inadvertently loosened that knob or flipped that lever open and didn't, I was adjusting something and forgot to, to lock it back down. So I always have a tether so that if my camera were to fall, it's not going to fall all the way to the ground. When you move your camera off center, what you risk is that whole thing toppling and you, it's hard to tether that. Yeah, I've seen that. So I, I use this to um, shoot uh, photos of things for articles, like hardware, computer hardware. Um, I have a, a sort of a butcher block in the kitchen, which is ideal an ideal background. And the first time I used this tripod like that with the, with the, the center rod on an angle so I could be shooting almost directly down, I quickly realized that what you need to do is you need to have two of the three legs in the front, one in the back, and the one in the back much shorter so that your center of gravity isn't in the front. Because once you lean that center rod out with the camera, that weight's just going to pull it right down. So you do need to pay a lot more attention as to how you're balancing everything. But once it's set up, it's really wonderful. So, Kirk, let me ask, um, on your tripod, when that column is tilted over to the side, is there any way for you to suspend your camera bag in, inside the legs of the tripod? Is there a hook under there or something that you could... No, but I'm doing your... this at home. I don't really use a camera bag at home. I guess what I'm thinking you're, of is... You're saying to add an extra weight, yeah. yeah. Like like a camera bag or a sandbag. And, you know, if you see a cinema shoot, they'll often have sandbags in, on the feet of the tripods. Yeah, yeah, so what I do is I don't want to carry a sandbag or a beanbag around with me um, in the field. I will use my camera bag. And so a lot of my tripods don't have center columns. Um, I tend not to use them. So my tripods don't have center columns and they instead have a hook under there. And I have a, a, I make sure that my bag will be able to hang from that hook, especially a shooting for me. I shoot a lot on the beach on the coast and it's usually windy. Um, and wind will introduce vibration in your shots if yep. you're shooting at a lower shutter speed. And so by hanging your bag, especially if you can keep the bag from swinging around and banging into the legs of the tripod, by hanging your bag and ballasting that tripod, uh, it's going to stabilize it even more, especially if you've got a carbon fiber tripod that's prone to flexing. So Right. Before we wrap up, I want to uh, bring up one other point that I had never, ever thought of before. Um, and, you know, I, I blame you for this. Um, but uh, 
the importance of cleaning your tripod because, you know, you use it, you put the legs away, and you forget about it. Can you talk briefly about why I've been so wrong all these years in not cleaning my tripod? I mean, like, 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 do you disassemble your entire tripod if you've been shooting at the beach or what have you? Not every time. Um, I do it once a year. I do a full disassembly once a year and scrub everything down and make sure there's no corrosion on any of the corrodible parts um, and make sure there's no sand or salt uh, crystals inside the, the mechanisms um, because it will wear out over time. And all of my tripods have twist lock legs. Um, and what I mean by twist lock, the ones that are they go all the way around, you have to grab them and, and twist them. And if you have a flip lock leg, um, you really have to be careful of making sure that all of your little nuts and screws that hold those things together are tightened and, and locked down. Um, and so I go through and, and check all of the screws and parts of my tripod, make sure that they have thread lock compound on them and that they're tightened down. Uh, and then I make sure everything's clean once a year. But if I'm out shooting on the beach, um, I have a simple rule. And this is a tip I give all my clients. Before I go out on the beach, I extend the lower section of my legs all the way and I lock them. That way I don't set my tripod down in the sand, even if it's just for a second to readjust my bag. I don't set my tripod down in the sand where the fittings are going to get in the sand. Um, That's a good idea. uh, Once I get out and I'm using it and I get salt, you know, I'm usually out in the water. And so I get salt water all over the legs of my tripod. Um, before I collapse it down, I take it back to the hotel or wherever I'm staying and I just rinse it off with fresh water, let it dry overnight. Usually there's my, my hotel room has the tripod set up in the middle of the room with all the stuff that got wet draped over it drying. And, uh, in the morning I collapse it back down and it's good to go. And if I follow those basic precautions, I only have to disassemble it once a year. And that's just to lubricate things and do some general kind of tightening and checking, um, but if you are out abusing your tripods, you're going to have to increase that more. But you do have to take care of these. These are the part that connects your camera to the earth, and it's going to take the hits, right? It's going to get dirty. It's going to get beat up, and you need to inspect those parts and make sure it's not going to fail on you when you're out in the middle of somewhere trying to get a beautiful shot and your tripod's you know, critical for that. Okay, thank you very much for this, Mason. I'm very glad that you came on the show to tell us all these things that we didn't know that we have to worry about now. (laughs) It's my pleasure. It's what I do. Okay, it's time for our snapshots. What have you got this week, Jeff? So my snapshot is tripod-related. When I bought my three-legged thing tripod, uh, it came with this great little uh, multi-tool. It's called the Three-Legged Thing Tools with a Z multi-tool. And uh, it's basically a little compact tool. It has uh, a little Allen wrench to it. It has a little uh, regular screwdriver screw to it. It has a little carabiner. Um, It even has a bottle opener and a keychain ring so you can clip it anywhere. Uh, The reason I like this is, and, and, and you can buy it separately, it's like eight bucks or seven bucks. Uh, the reason I like this is that uh, before I used to carry like this old uh, bicycle multi-tool thing because I needed one hex wrench uh, in order to tighten or unscrew uh, sections of my tripod. And it was always way too much. It's This is small and light and sturdy and uh, and cheap. So, But does it have a corkscrew? It does not have a corkscrew 
why would you want to? Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I have a Swiss Army knife in my knapsack all the time, a relatively small one, and the corkscrew is the thing I use the most often. I guess maybe this is more American because it just assumes yes. that you're going to be drinking beer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, honestly, I think I'd probably go for the corkscrew. All right, next model, three-legged thing, people. <laughs> <laughs> the European version. Exactly. Kirk, what do you have for this week? I've got a bunch of lenses. What I want to talk about is a group of lenses that have a nickname in the Fuji system. Um, some people call them Fujicrons. Now, if you're familiar with Leica cameras, they have a line of lenses that they called Summicron, and they're F2 lenses. And they're not the most expensive. They're really good quality, etc. Fuji has a similar set of lenses. They have a 23, a 35, and a 50 millimeter F2. They're all weather resistant. They're all relatively small and light. Being F2 compared to the F1.4 or other uh, versions of lenses, um, the Fuji uh, F2 lenses are usually about half the size and weight of the, the ones with the larger apertures. And the reason I want to talk about this is that these lenses together give you a pretty much a complete set of primes. Um, in addition, Fuji's releasing a 16 millimeter F2.8 this week, the week that we're recording. Um, and so that gives you everything. Remember the Fuji, you multiply the millimeters by one and a half to get the equivalent, to get the 35 millimeter equivalent focal length. So that goes from 24 millimeters up to 75 millimeters. Now, you could have a single zoom lens that will do all this. It'll be a little bit lighter. It's less fiddly. You don't have to take the lenses on or off. But I'm just a fan of prime lenses, and I like having multiple prime lenses to get a different feeling. I, I don't like to zoom and, and keep trying to find it. I like to have the prime lens and compose with the prime lens. So if you have something like this, it gives you a different type of photography than a zoom lens. They're relatively light. You have one on the camera. You put the other two or three in a little shoulder bag. And you've got all these lenses that cover the main focal lengths you need unless you're shooting macro or shooting, you know, long distances with birds and all that. Um, now, obviously, as we've mentioned many times, we both use Fujifilm cameras. I'm sure that for other types of cameras, there are similar types of lenses, relatively inexpensive, not with the huge apertures so that they have lots of... B b background blur, um, and and not huge like some of these lenses can be. It's been a while since the ba 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 background has come into the, into the podcast, probably for good reason. Well, you know, um, as we've talked before, uh, a zoom lens gets you all of that uh, in one package. But there are always trade-offs. Uh, you know, you you zoom out, and and you you no longer have an f two lens. You have to you know stick with f five point six, or if you want it f two all the way, then you know you're spending a lot of money, and it's huge and heavy. Um, so yeah, I I like this approach. This sounds great. I I like the the few uh, uh, prime lenses that I have. Okay, well that's going to be the end of the show. Um, we're recording this. Just before we change to spring, the season changes to spring, which for me is the season when I go out and start taking more pictures. We've got lots of flowers out there. It's starting to get warmer. It's light later in the day. So it, wherever you are in the world, if you're in the northern hemisphere and it's spring, show us some of the photos that you're taking around springtime. Um, drop them in our Facebook group. We'd love to see them. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. 
You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 5% off any course at Masters of Photography with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. That's PHOTOACTIVE in one word. Until next week, thanks again for listening.